Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Mark Daly here tonight, joining you on Thanksgiving evening. A big happy Thanksgiving to all my American friends, and wishing you all the very best wherever you are tonight, and hard to believe. Yes, it's the official start of the holiday season, and that means we have one more Grand Prix left. And then that's it. The 2018 Formula One season is a wrap. It's over and done and it always seems like it is a very long year which it is i mean considering it started back on march the what now (laughs) but as uh, seems to be the just the way things are it goes very 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 quickly indeed anyways it's been a crazy crazy week here for myself i didn't think i'd actually get a chance to sit down and, and do the show it's just been busy at work it's been busy at home it's been busy basically right across the board so I'm just going to, I just decided that I was going to sit down and and get a show done tonight, even though that uh, Kevin is uh, working uh, and, and unavailable. I thought, you know, we just got to get this, uh, get this show taken care of. We've been on such a roll and it would be a shame to let it slip now. And of course, there's been a lot of news. It's been, I thought, a little bit kind of on the quiet side ever since the Brazilian Grand Prix about uh, two weeks ago, but it's really picked up in the past couple of days. Of course, the the, the big news that came out after Brazil was the fact that Mercedes uh, obviously clinched their fifth uh, world championship in a row, clinching the constructors there. But then it really kind of fell off the map there for several days, only uh, a couple of pieces of news items coming out in little bits and pieces, but that certainly has changed over the past couple of days. And the big news at the moment, of course, is that Fernando Alonso will make his final appearance as a Formula One driver at Abu Dhabi this weekend. Of course, Fernando has decided to call it uh, call it a career of sorts. <laughs> it's really kind of interesting how this has sort of been shaking out over the past couple of days. He's been saying for quite a while that he has uh, no regrets leaving Formula One. And of course, he's got uh, bigger and better things to go on to uh, next season. Of course, he's uh, really going to make a push to uh, win the uh, the unofficial Triple Crown. Of course, all he has to do now is win Indy. If only it was that simple to go win the 500. But of course, he's uh, won Monaco. He's won at Le Mans. And of course, the only other driver to win all three races is Graham Hill. So uh, Fernando, of course, and this is no secret. This is what he's been talking about for a, a, a very long time. But he just uh, 
doesn't have anything left to prove in Formula One. And considering that McLaren have not had a competitive car for him for a variety of uh, reasons over the past uh, couple of seasons, I would do the same thing if I was in his shoes. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's interesting, of course, what he's saying now that he said he might get desperate without Formula One. Now he's sort of talking about leaving the, the door open, although it might feel a bit of, I don't, I don't know the best ways to call it almost, it almost felt the way that he was describing it, it would be almost like a, a bit of a step down or a step backwards. If at some point in the future he decides to return to Formula One and, well, I, I guess maybe depending on your point of view, but I don't think any of us would uh, have the same point of view as Fernando, but he really has done everything that uh, that he can in the sport, of course. He's won uh, uh, two world championships back-to-back in a career, I think, that can really be summarized as what-ifs, and I think a lot of unfulfilled potential. When he won those two world championships in 2005 and 2006 with Renault, I mean, he was still very young at the time, and it really looked like uh, he was going to become one of the all-time greats, at least from, well, maybe not talent-wise, but definitely from a statistics point of view, because at that time in his career, he just really felt, or it did to me, and I'm sure everybody can say the same thing now if you go back and look over the course of the past uh, 17 years for Fernando Alonso, that, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was in that position, that it was really the start of things. And of course, it really didn't play out that way in the in the long run. Of course, he went on to McLaren, and that didn't work out very well. Well, the first <laughs> the first uh, stint at McLaren when he was uh, teammates with Lewis Hamilton goes on to Ferrari, and that didn't really work out. I mean, he had a, a little bit of success, but I think he really um, probably wanted to go there and resurrect the mark, just like uh, Michael Schumacher had done not uh, all that long uh, before, but really be the guy to replace Michael Schumacher. Of course, that didn't happen, and that led to eventually a split with uh, Ferrari and then moving back to McLaren again. And of course, uh, that was... uh, well, definitely not very bueno considering the way that uh, they they had uh, obviously huge troubles with the Honda engines when they uh, made a return in 2015 and just the lack of power, the lack of reliability. And then this year, the first year with the Renault engines, of course, has not proven to be uh, much better. I mean, the Renault engine has obviously been uh, better, but uh, McLaren, who's thrown a lot of blame and, uh, and said a lot of bad things about Honda over the years and paid a huge amount amount of money to break that contract early to make the Renault switch uh, definitely are looking a little bit silly at the moment uh, what with uh, it being apparent that the car that they designed this year uh, I I think is a perfect example is just uh, not up uh, to to scratch so I guess uh, we can all kind of speculate how good the chassis was in the previous couple of years but it's all really under the bridge and it is I think a real it's an end of an era. Obviously, it is an end of an era. When you get a driver, Fernando's uh, stature and and his reputation leaving a racing series and going on to go somewhere else, it's going to cast a, a bit of a shadow. 
And it kind of seems very similar to me in the way that uh, Jensen Button retired a couple of years ago, because same thing, he decided that he wanted to go and do some other things. He was still not officially retiring from Formula One. It was going to be kind of a sabbatical, and that's a word that's kind of been tossed around with uh, Fernando the past couple of days. And and Zach Brown, the CEO of McLaren, has said that, well, if anything comes up, he's going to be the first guy that they're, they're going to call. They're going to have him on speed dial and Fernando of course uh, like I just uh, said just now that he's leaving the door open but I kind of get the feeling that I've said that myself in, in in the past when I've left a job to go on to something bigger and better and it's almost like you almost feel like you're justifying it if maybe not to yourself but to the situation that you're leaving that well you know if things don't work out and you really need me you know I can always come back and it, <laughs> maybe that's just my misinterpretation of the the whole situation but uh, it definitely kind of feels that uh, Fernando is kind of leaving that door open and well perhaps he will come back in the future but at 37 he's obviously one of the older drivers I mean he's not as old as Raikkonen who's still going to stick around for a couple more years years yet, which is pretty cool in my opinion. Uh, but it just kind of seems unlikely uh, to, to to walk away from, from Formula One now. And I think that is a, like I was saying, it is a career of what ifs, because it seemed with uh, those uh, moves that he made, uh, especially when he went to, to McLaren and uh, then on to Ferrari, that there was still lots of uh, potential or, or lots of opportunities to win races to win world championships. And obviously those situations did not end very well when, when he left McLaren and then when he left uh, Ferrari. And it always kind of made me question his decision-making process and maybe some of the advice that he was getting. And uh, it, it, it was always a big question mark for me. And I'm sure it's a, a question that a lot of people have is just what was Fernando thinking at certain times in his career. So there is that. I mean, there, there is no doubt that he is one of the most talented drivers. I mean, he's still able to get a lot out of that McLaren, even though it's obviously a, a horrible car. It is not very good. And uh, yet he's managed to, to, to do some things with it. He's managed to score some points, hasn't really been able to get as uh, close to challenge for a podium. But I mean, let's give him some credit where, where credit is due. He has been able to get some points uh, out of it. But this year, I mean, you look at the Constructors uh, Championship, where obviously it's always going to be uh, McLaren, sorry, not McLaren, maybe the old McLaren, don't, uh, don't get me wrong, but it's always going to be Mercedes, it's always going to be Ferrari. Then the Red Bull, those are always going to be the big three teams. And then basically the best of the rest. Uh, Renault, obviously, they're going to want, they're, they're trying to step up and, and get the, into that mix, uh, with, uh, with the top three teams. But if you look, um, the, the constructors, the way that it's, uh, shaken out this year, of course, it'll change again before the weekend is done. But Mercedes, uh, 620 points winning, uh, the constructors championship, 553 for Ferrari. And Red Bull, I mean, they had a decent uh, season, but 392. I mean, that's still quite a long ways back from from the Scuderia. And then from there, it is a massive drop-off. Renault, 114 points in fourth place in the Constructors. Haas with 90 points. And then you have McLaren-Renault, 62 points. So 
it uh yeah it's been a bit of a barren season despite fernando's uh best uh, best efforts but he will go on to to bigger and better things at least uh, in in his mind and uh, they're going to give him a bit of a special send-off he's uh, going to have a special uh, paint scheme on his car for the uh, abu dhabi grand prix this weekend featuring the colors that he's had on his helmet the livery that he's had on his helmet uh, for a very very long time but they're already looking to the future because as is customary after the the, the race and the donuts are, are over uh, they are going to have a, a post-season test there and call it Carlos Sainz who is going to be one of the drivers that's coming into McLaren for next year moving over from from Renault uh, of course is uh, going to be doing a test um, in the, the the days immediately after the Grand Prix and then talking about the other side of the McLaren garage uh, Stoffel Van Dorn is going to be making his last appearance his last race for McLaren this weekend and another McLaren career that I think you could classify as what ifs and unfulfilled potential because if you look at when he filled in for, for uh, Fernando Alonso at uh, Bahrain in 2016 after that, that was that horrible horrible shunt that he had on the opening lap uh, in, uh, in in Australia when the car was basically destroyed but yet uh, Fernando pulled himself out of the wreckage of the cock- uh, cockpit and uh, was fortunately able to walk away from that one with very minor injuries but that being said, he uh, did have to sit out the following Grand Prix and Van Dorn, who was, at that time, he was just a reserve driver, and there was a lot of speculation whether or not he would get into Formula One. Of course, he did and spent the last two seasons racing for them. And uh, he was very, very impressive, I thought, in that Bahrain Grand Prix. He scored a, a single point. Uh, he scored a P10 at Bahrain that year, filling in. And I guess that was really the last thing that, well, maybe not the last thing, but it was definitely a very good piece of business, a very good piece of work to really put his name down and really, I think, give the, the McLaren uh, brass uh, some real reason to consider him for that race seat. And eventually he did uh, get it. But of course, uh, in, in in 2016, the Honda engine and the the, the 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 McLaren car just did not deliver. And, well, this year, more or less, more of the same. I mean, the car has just not been competitive, and uh, they just have not been able to, to deliver, despite uh, the, the best efforts of uh, both drivers. But uh, Van Dorn, he's going to, to Formula E for next year. And this is kind of interesting. He's going to be um, becoming the, uh, the the reserve driver, the simulator driver, that is, for Mercedes for 2019. And uh, he isn't going to be the reserve driver. Should just clear that up. Just purely a simulator role. But it, it's kind of interesting because he's going to race for HWA and Formula E. And uh, so that'll be for season five, which, uh, which gets going uh, not too long from now. And then next year... In season six, Mercedes takes over the HWA entry. So all of a sudden, Van Dorn, who kind of looked like he was in limbo in in, in his racing career, yeah, he's going to go to Formula E. But you know, is that there uh, an opportunity to come back in Formula One? And all of a sudden, he's got these ties to Mercedes, which I think that that most drivers would want uh, in, in one way or another, because they they tend to uh, work things out with um, their their own drivers or drivers that have a Mercedes links. So 
we will have to wait and see what happens with, with Stoffel Van Dorn. So that uh, looks like a, a smart piece of business. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how it uh, came about, but definitely um, maybe it's a bit of the silver lining in uh, what's been a couple of uh, fruitless years for Stoffel Van Dorn. But uh, moving uh, uh, along, um, Williams, another Mercedes-powered team, has been uh, making news again this year, mostly for the wrong reasons, of course. Team that was uh, one of the best of the rest as recently as a couple of years ago has gone to dead last, rock bottom in in Formula One. And it's, um, well, they're they're making changes for next year. And of course, uh, we talked about last week how about their vehicle performance chief, I'm not exactly sure if that's the correct title, something like that. Anyways, uh, Ross Smedley, he's left the team and uh, well, the the design that they came up with, it's just, it was a little bit too radical and the things that they tried to accomplish obviously didn't work out and couple that with a couple of uh, very young and inexperienced drivers and Lance Stroll and Sergey Sorotkin just seemed to be a recipe of, well, not disaster, but obviously just did not live up to any thing really positive in uh, the terms of uh, results if you <laughs> just going back to the constructors championships uh, if you look um where it is right now of course i said left off at mclaren 62 points in six and you have um, a racing point force india 48 points which is actually a tidy amount if you think about it they they had to forfeit all the points that they accumulated in the first half of the season before they went to receivership and then were taken over by uh, lauren stroll and the consortium that he led they they've, uh, amassed 48 points in uh, basically in the second half of the year which i think is uh, is very impressive considering they looked uh, pretty pretty well they look pretty useless in the first half you could tell that under the previous regime the previous ownership that uh, they, they were strapped for cash and it just did not look like it was going well but uh, then moving on down you had Sauber with 42 points uh, Toro Rosso with 33 which is disappointing because they had some decent runs early on in the year and then largely tailed off uh, fairly quickly and have uh, not really had much uh, to show for it uh, either uh, but then you have Williams haven't even hit double digits in uh, the Constructors' Championship this year. Seven points between Lance Stroll and Sergei Sorotkin. And, uh, well, they've uh, decided to make uh, some changes. Obviously, um, uh, Smedley's out on the design side, the uh, the, the perf- uh, performance side of the car. Uh, obviously, the the whole Lawrence Stroll, Force, uh, Force India thing, that's Obviously, it seems to be the worst kept secret is that Lance is going to, his son is going to go and race there next year. And then so they, they previously announced a couple of weeks ago that uh, uh, George Russell is going to, to uh, take over one of those two race seats. And then it was a real big question, who's going to get that second and final seat at Williams uh, next year? Was Sorotkin going to stay? Uh, Robert Kubica, the Polish driver who was previously in Formula One uh, several years ago until he had a, a very, very horrible crash in, uh, in rally cars, almost lost his arm. Is uh, well, he he's been the reserve driver and said that uh, he really wanted to be considered for a race uh, seat next year, and if not, then he was going to go and do other things. And well, Kubica got his wish because earlier this week, uh, 
excuse me, Williams announced that uh, Kubica indeed will be one of their two drivers for, for 2019. So it's uh, it's kind of sparked off a, an interesting kind of reaction. Uh, Sorotkin said that he still can't believe that he's leaving Formula One and he won't be an F1 driver in a couple of days. And his race backer, SMP Racing, said that Williams' poor level of... Uh, of their car and the fact that the, the car was not developed or really improved quick enough over the year is uh, the, the reason why Sorotkin's not really there because apparently it was all kind of put into motion about a week ago and uh, SMP basically decided to to, to, to pull the plug of the, on their own accord. Just uh, basically they didn't want their guy in that uh, situation. And well, it's, it's an interesting way to kind of frame it. I mean, uh, it can kind of sound a little bit by uh, like sour grapes, but at the same time, I mean, they're, they're completely a hundred percent spot on. I mean, the car has been awful. It just uh, has not been able to uh, deliver anything. And uh, the, the, the team's really a shambles and it's a, it's a real shame for a team that's been historically good in in Formula One, I mean, of course, there are very long ways uh, and a very long <laughs> amount of years away from their, their their glory years in Formula One. I mean, it's been uh, well, it's been six years since Pastor Maldonado unexpectedly won at the Spanish Grand Prix in 2012, and well, I mean, even in the in the turbo hybrid era, they were fairly competitive for the first couple of years, and then things changed dramatically. And I think. I'm not the only person out there that uh, is extremely surprised that somebody with the experience and uh, the, the stature, like Patty Lowe, who left uh, Mercedes a couple of years ago to become the uh, basically the the top technical officer at uh, at Williams just has not been able to really get this team pointed in the right direction at this uh, at this time. I mean, of course, things can change and, and, and things do change from year to year. But the, the fact that Williams has dropped off so quickly in, in such a very short amount of time really just uh, really boggles uh, my mind. So we'll, we'll wait and see and, and see how Kubica does. Um, it's, uh, it's really interesting to see that he's back in Formula One. And I've been I'll be honest, I've been loving this uh, Formula One TV that uh, that came out uh, for, for this season. I've uh, especially been enjoying uh, the, the the material that's available in the archives. And one of the like one of the races I was watching only just uh, earlier this week, and it was for no other reason than it just looked like one to, 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 to watch. And I'd completely forgotten about what had happened in that race, but I'm going back to the 2007 Canadian Grand Prix. And that is the one, if you guys will uh, remember is when Kubica had that huge shunt when, uh, at Montreal, uh, just coming down into the hairpin, he went to go and pass one of the Toyotas got onto the grass and the car kind of skipped up and flew through the air and hit this kind of little half wall and so that sort of came out, uh, just as uh, they as they come into the hairpin just before that very long straightaway that brings them back towards the pits and the start finish line at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve and that was frightening the car becomes airborne and he hits that wall at 
gosh, I can't even remember how, how much it was, but he's pretty much flat out and the car completely disintegrates and just breaks all apart. It's just uh, amazing to see. I mean, those cars, of course, have been designed to, to come apart like that and to dissipate the energy from a, a massive accident like that. But it was uh, it was shocking nonetheless to rewatch that and just see that basically the only thing left was the monocoque around Kubica and then just the amount of time that it took to, to get him out of the car. And then, well, uh, of course, he he didn't stick in Formula One and it looked like, well, of course, obviously the accident he had in rally cars, but it really looked like that he could be going on to maybe accomplish something in his uh, career. So he's had eight years away from it and he's come back now. And, uh, and last year he did do some testing for Renault, which I thought was always interesting because they never really announced or never really made public the amount, uh, his lap times that he set. And I think it was, I know there was one uh, session that he did for sure, but I think it could have been a maybe two, possibly even three. I mean, gosh, I can't remember what I did a week ago, <laughs> let alone what uh, what Robert Kubica did for testing in Formula One a year and a half ago. But that being said, I think really did uh, help get his foot back in the door, even though he didn't get a race seat at that time and just uh, ended up becoming a reserve driver for, for Williams. I think that what he did proved that, uh, that he was still capable in Formula One. And uh, despite uh, maybe not having uh, 100% use of that left arm, uh, he has proven that that it can be done and that uh, that that is not going to be an obstacle to his uh, career so we'll have to just wait and see how that plays out and, and how he does once he gets back into the cockpit and does it for real again and and does uh, some serious racing in formula one but it is a great story to see and hopefully uh, he can live up to well not only the the expectations of uh, himself but the fans and hopefully the team uh, delivers a, a good car for him but talking about uh, other drivers and, and other situations, of course, there's a whole bunch of uh, changes going uh, on with the drivers. I, I don't really recall a season when there's been so many changes. The grid is going to look so different for next year in Formula One. Uh, Marcus Erickson, he's going to make his last uh, appearance for Sauber in uh, in Abu Dhabi this weekend. He's off to race uh, for Schmidt-Peterson in IndyCars next year. And uh, he's not necessarily closing the door on his Formula One career and uh, has hinted he'd like to come back, but uh, he, he was saying, of course, he's uh, saying the right things that he's uh, really tried to prove and show to Sauber what they're going to be missing uh, next year over the uh, the, the past uh, several races. And I mean, he's done pretty good. Uh, uh, unfortunately, his Brazilian Grand Prix was uh, pretty horrific and uh, ended up uh, not finishing that one. So uh, Marcus Erickson, last race in Formula One. And now a guy, his teammate, Charles Leclerc, he's going to be racing his very last uh, Formula One race for Sauber this weekend. Of course, of course, Charles is making the move up to the front end of the grid for 2019, where he will partner Sebastian Vettel at uh, at Ferrari. And uh, Jock Clear, the, the lead and senior uh, race engineer at Ferrari, said that they have to make sure they're ready to handle Charles. So that, that's going to be exciting. It's uh, He's the second youngest guy ever to race for Ferrari in Formula One. And uh, we're, we're all looking forward to seeing what, uh, what he can do next year. I mean, uh, I, I think he's had 
had an absolutely brilliant year this year in, in Sauber. Uh, mind you, I think that the last third of a season hasn't been quite as impressive as uh, as the first half. He's had some some problems uh, here and there, but uh, there, there's no doubt that uh, that this guy is for real. The way that uh, he's been able to outqualify and and outperform his teammate Ericsson in in, in the races in identical uh, equipment and and make it all the way into Q3 quite regularly throughout the year, I think is just a testament to how good of a, a driver this guy is and how he's just able to get all the performance uh, out of the car that, uh, that, uh, that, that is possible. And now it's just on the, the, the technical side, there was a, a story that was out this week, which is kind of interesting how many of the Formula One teams are, are wary of um, the impact that the new regulations on barge boards and front and rear rings, uh, wings and brake ducts are going to have next year. Of course, they're being simplified basically to reduce the amount of aerodynamic uh, disturbance that the cars give off. So the... excuse me, that the cars are able to stick closer together and therefore theoretically at least uh, provide more opportunities for overtaking. And, and Ross Braun, the technical guru, guru at, uh, at at Formula One, has said that uh, that there has been tangible uh, results in the, uh, in the simulations that they've run, but uh, we'll have to wait and see whether or not that's actually going to translate into reality. Some of the teams have been saying that it's uh, not quite as what's uh, being marketed so uh, very much up in the air for for next year. Now, th- this was an interesting one here, too. I'm just talking about um, Haas is uh, protesting Force India ahead of uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix this weekend. The nature of their complaint has not really been divulged, although they've kind of been going at it tit for tat all year. Um, Force India complained uh, earlier in the year about uh, Haas's uh, ties that uh, appear to be, at least on the surface, uh, a little bit too close or, or maybe a, a little bit closer with Ferrari than than should be and so they're, they're basically uh, complaining uh, about the fact that now that they're racing point Force India not Sahara Force India that that the car that they're running they shouldn't be running because it's not their own unique and uh, design and basically that's uh, the, the car that uh, belonged to the old Force India and uh, they shouldn't I guess be racing, <laughs> I guess, is basically what it comes down to, because if it's not a u- uh, unique design uh, of uh, you know the the uh, racing point force India, then um, they <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do and why now at, at the end of the race or the the end of the season actually just seems uh, a little bit uh, a little bit silly. But uh, Formula One always full of politics, and that's just uh, the, the nature of the of the sport. So it's time to start wrapping things up here. Uh, just a couple of things. Uh, Nissan Renault chairman Carlos Goshen was uh, arrested in Japan earlier this week uh, for financial irregularities. He's uh, in his mid-60s. He's one of the most influential influential executives in the automotive in- industry. Jerome Stoll, who's the, uh, the team principal, the boss of uh, Renault's Formula One project, is uh, only one degree separated from, or that one degree of separation between Goshen and the Formula One team because Stoll reports to him uh, directly. So apparently he's uh, been um, accused of underreporting uh, his um, somewhat impressive uh, salary. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that uh, plays out, but definitely 
not good. So some good news now is that uh, there's no fear of paralysis for 17-year-old uh, Formula 3 driver Sophia Flourish after a horrible, horrible accident at the Macau Grand Prix this last weekend. Uh, she uh, collided uh, with one of the cars coming down the straightaway into the Lisboa corner, which is basically a 90-degree right-hander and uh, slid into the barriers and was launched into the air. And uh, when I saw the replay of that, it just had one of those sort of sinking moments. It was like, oh my God, let's just hope that she's okay. She is okay despite uh, fracturing her spine. And it has led to uh, some calls from the, the Grand Prix Drivers Association, which is uh, chaired by Roman Grosjean to bring up the, the issue of these sausage curbs and their, their effects on, uh, on safety. <clears throat> so finally, just a, a couple more things before I go here for the week. And uh, Sebastian Vettel said that he sympathizes with Max Verstappen's emotions after Brazil. He didn't really come out and say exactly what his uh, his opinion on the whole incident uh, that uh, Verstappen had with Esteban Ocon, which ended up with both of them uh, getting uh, or colliding with each other and uh, Ocon getting a 10 second stop go penalty. And then, excuse me. And then a post-race uh, shoving match uh, b- between the two in Park for May. And, uh, well, I mean, Vettel, like I say, he didn't specifically say what, uh, what, his, uh, what, what his stance was, although he really did. Uh, he, he did side, at least generally, with, uh, with Max uh, Verstappen. And, by the way, Max, very unapologetic for his actions. And uh, I think uh, just kind of going back to that whole incident with, uh, with Ocon, I think more and more that we see that I, I think that Max has all the, the traits and the attributes to become a world champion. And that uh, that shoving match with Ocon, I mean, like I said, I don't have a problem with it uh, per se, just uh, as long as it's a one-off. And I think it just goes to show Max Verstappen's uh, passion and his drive and, and just um, everything that his mindset towards Formula One. So I don't necessarily have an issue with that, the way that he lashed out, at least in that one incident. But I would hope that he would take that uh, that that passion and that anger and maybe funnel it into more positive uh, manners, obviously being behind the wheel of his uh, of his car and uh, and translate that into uh, performances on the track but you could see why he was upset because he was on to win that race in Brazil until he had that uh, clash with uh, with Ocon a couple of weeks ago all right. Well, just a, a couple of uh, items about uh, the, the race uh, at uh, Yas Marina this weekend. It's a, a fairly middle of the road track. Uh, it's a it's a three out of five in the lateral uh, G's, three out of five for downforce, low for tire stress, uh, grip, and asphalt uh, uh, abrasion. The tires that are available for this race are the super soft, ultra soft, and hyper soft tires. It's a 55 lap race. It's a 5.554 kilometer long circuit, a 300 5.355 kilometer race distance and Sebastian Vettel holds the lap record of 1 minute 40.279 seconds which he set back in 2009 and last year's uh, race was uh, results was um, Valtteri Bottas won the race 3.8 seconds ahead of Lewis Hamilton Sebastian Vettel uh, finished third and then his teammate Kimi Raikkonen in the Ferrari and then it was uh, Max Verstappen and Nico Hulkenberg rounding out to the top Top six, and I kind of get the feeling that it's going to be a Mercedes weekend. Uh, of course, winning the drivers and world Ch- uh, constructors world championships again.
again this season. I think they want to go out and uh, underline their uh, their dominance. I think they want to get a, a race victory for for Valtteri Bottas, who's had a bit of a tough season and things haven't really gone his way in 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 many occasions when he's had the uh, the opportunity to to win a, a Grand Prix. It just hasn't necessarily been there. Anyways, that's a wrap for me here. Like I say, it's been a busy week, but glad I was able to jump into the studio here and sit down and spend some time with you guys for for at least half an hour. We'll do it again this time next week. Of course, there's still one more race to talk about, even though obviously it has no impact on the world championships in any shape, way, or form. But hey, anytime the lights go green in Formula One is a good day in my book, and there's always something. Oh, well, something always happens. So there's always going to be something to talk about. And then we will do that this uh, this time next week. So thanks very much for listening. If you want to get in touch, send us a tweet at Scuderia F1 Pod. And that's it. That's a wrap. Talk to you again this time next week. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?